Church, how's everybody doing this morning? It is great to see you here this morning. I, I tell you, I'm very excited about this series. I, I get excited about every series I know, but, but especially this one. Uh, one of the things that I'm really just loving about this series that we, that we have is, is the opportunity we have to also just have a very interactive series. We've got a lot of events planned centered around this, this, uh, this preaching series, uh, one of which is happening this Saturday night um, on the 13th of February. In case you didn't know, and I know guys, some of you, this, you're going to find this very surprising, but this coming weekend is Valentine's weekend. Does that catch you off guard, guys? Uh, I, know, I know some of you had no idea. That's just a statistically uh, a proven thing. Some of you had no idea. I've been on that end of things before. It's not a good place to be, you know, but uh, to be there where you wake up on Valentine's Day and your bride has something waiting for you, and you just remind her that Valentine's not over till the sun sets, right? And uh, that's not a good place to be. But anyway, this coming Saturday, we know that it's Valentine's weekend, and so what we want to do is we want to uh, give you an opportunity to have an, an amazing date night. Uh, we're going to be having a children's ministry gathering here at the church, and so in that gathering, uh, we are going to be uh, entertaining your kids. We're going to be taking care of your kids. We're going to be teaching your kids. They're going to be learning a lot of things about uh, about their parents that maybe they didn't know. I'm kidding. Uh, but it, it's going to be a great time for the kids, but we're doing this because we want to give you an opportunity to go out and enjoy yourself this weekend. And so uh, husbands, uh, boyfriends, uh, all of you that are out there that, that want to take advantage of this, uh, this opportunity, uh, I tell you, we're making it half easy for you, right? You know, all you got to do is get the gift and the flowers and the candy, and we'll take care of the, uh, the kids for you. So that's one of the things we're going to be doing. But also in this series, this is a marriage and family series. And so what we're going to be doing in two weeks is this. We're going to have a, a family fun day down at uh, a plantation down in Brooks County called Terra Chula. And, and the plantation has been made available to us that we can take our, our children and our families down there. This is going to be a great time of fellowship. We've done this in the past, and, and I'll tell you, it's really amazing when just about all of the church shows up with a covered dish and, and just has a great time just hanging out together. We're going to be doing that in two weeks. And then in three weeks, we're going to have a, a very formal dinner here at the church for any of you who are looking to take your wife out and have a, just an amazing time and to learn a little bit more about marriage, and maybe even renew your vows that night. We want to we just do a lot of things like that through this series. And so this is a very interactive series. This is something that we care a lot about, that, that our marriages, that our relationships, that our uh, the relationships not only that we have with, with other people, but, but with each other as a faith family. We want, we, our prayer is that all of those would grow deeper and wider and stronger. Amen? And so we want to, this series to be that impactful for us as we dive into God's Word. And I'm, and I'm excited about this series. You know, our prayer as a staff, as we're moving into 2016, is to pray that everything about this church, whether it's our life groups, whether it's our ministries, whether it's just individual relationships that are taking place in the, uh, in the life of this church, that all of those would grow stronger through this, this year. And so... We're praying for that. We, we ask that you pray with us in that. I think it's going to be an incredible series to sort of jumpstart that, that mindset or that goal that we have set for 2016. But let's pray, and then we're going to dive into to the, the first message of Stronger 
Uh, and so let's pray together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the incredible opportunity we've had to come and worship you in spirit and truth, and Lord, to, to welcome you into this place, and, and God, the to have that opportunity where we truly worship you and we adore you and we praise your name. God, the, the music this morning has been incredible. Lord, we pray that our prayers have been heard as we praise you for who you are and what you're doing in this place. God, we've worshiped you even in our, in our giving. We've, we've, uh, God, we, we worship you now in the, the reading and the preaching of your word. And I pray, Father, that in everything that we do here this morning, God, you would be glorified, that everything that we do here this morning would be, Lord, something that is very pleasing to you, because God, today we have gathered here as a faith family, and we have, we have worshiped together, and now we open up God's word together, and we pray, Father, that as we do so, that you would do amazing things in our hearts. God, give us ears to hear, and God, I pray that, Lord, we would... Just place aside every distraction in our life. God, there's just so many things that, that, that just consume our time and our energy and our, our thoughts. Father, I pray that we would place that to the side so that as we look into your word, God, you may speak clearly into our hearts and that we may hear you. And God, our lives would be better and our lives would be stronger as a result of your presence in our life. Father, we, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A conversation, a sermon series, whatever you want to say that we're about to start here today has never been more urgent in the world in which we live. We live in a world today where, quite honestly, people live their lives every single day without any thought or very little thought of moral purity. And it affects us in great ways. It affects us as individual followers of Christ Jesus as we pursue sin. And let us not be mistaken, sin is the problem here. Sin is the issue in our life. It's the greatest, it's the greatest problem that we face as followers of Christ Jesus. Sin takes its toll on us. Sin has its way with us if we're not careful. And we live in a world today that, that really pursues life without any regard toward moral purity without any thought. We live in a, a culture today that has just really, in my, my opinion, has lost its mind. As, it, as, you, as you look at TV and you look at all the, the things happening in our world, it just seems as though our culture is just in a place of chasing sin over really pursuing the things of God and even wanting to know the things of God concerning their life. Marriage is under attack. Relationships are under attack. I mean, I, I tell you, in, in our world today, we find ourselves in, in cultural bondage, quite honestly, to an over-romanticized, intoxicated culture or worldview concerning marriage and relationships and family. We have romanticized this thing and have fallen away from really, truly understanding what God's plan and purpose is in marriage. And quite honestly, we live our lives often without even caring. 
And so my hope and my prayer as we dive into God's Word together this morning is that we would at least begin to to start where God Himself started when it comes to marriage and to to lay out a biblical foundation. My hope and my prayer is, is that we would move away from such a worldly worldview concerning relationships and move instead to a biblical worldview of what God's plans are for our marriages and our family. If we're going to grow deeper and if we're going to grow stronger and if we're going to grow wider, if we're going to grow in our relationships, if we're going to grow in our marriages, if we're going to grow stronger in our families and our life groups and ultimately the church and our community, then we need Jesus. We need Jesus in our life. And so this morning we dive into God's Word and we we begin a series to where we try to understand what it means to have a gospel-centered marriage. This morning we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. You know, I, I love what what happens in the story that, that, that we see in John chapter 8. Now, I'll just go there. You don't have to turn there as you prepare to go to Genesis. I, I just want to share this story with you. John chapter 8 begins with Jesus and his encounter with a woman who's been accused of adultery. You see, the story begins where the Pharisees, they bring this, this woman to Jesus and they declare to him that she has been caught in an adulterous relationship And they know the law, the law gives them permission to stone her, and so they bring her to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what say you concerning this woman's decision and her adultery? And what Jesus says to the Pharisees is very powerful, it's very profound, it's something that really just sort of silences all those who are in a place of judgment toward this woman, because what Jesus says is this, he says, Let he who is without sin be the first to cast a stone. Let he who is living their life without sin be the first to throw a stone. And what we see is one by one, these men begin to walk away from Jesus knowing that they are without sin or not without sin. And they leave one by one. And what we see is Jesus there now standing with this woman who has been caught in her sin. And what we see in Jesus is something really amazing. First of all, we see His grace and His compassion toward this woman. Obviously, there's grace extended. Obviously, there's mercy extended. Obviously, there's forgiveness extended because of the words that He chose to say to the religious leaders and now they're away. And and so obviously, we see Jesus who is very compassionate for her, but then there's also the challenge to pursue moral purity. Because what he says is this he says, Go away now and sin no more. It's not that Jesus condones her behavior, it's not that Jesus is okay with moral unpurity, he's not. He's very compassionate toward her, and he's filled with grace and mercy and forgiveness and all of those things. 
But the challenge that he offers to her is to live her life in pursuit of righteousness, to live her life in pursuit of holiness, not to continue in this lifestyle that she has obviously embraced. And so the, the, the challenge is, is to pursue righteousness over unrighteousness. And we should all be challenged by those words. I am thankful that we have a Savior who is full of grace. Amen? How many of you are thankful for that? Amen? A Jesus who loves us as much as he displayed to this woman. A, a Jesus who loves us and is filled with grace. And a Jesus who, who has compassion toward people who find themselves in sin. I am thankful for that Jesus. But I'm also challenged by this Jesus. As I consider my relationship with my wife, as I consider my relationship with the church, as I consider my relationship with this community... I am challenged to go and sin no more. And so one of the things that we see here is in our passage today in Genesis chapter 2 is, is really what I call a gospel-centered marriage. We're going to see this unfold as we, as we look at the text here today. And I, I know you've had time to turn there, but Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 18. One of the most important and one of the most profound things that we see in Genesis 2 is this. That marriage is God's doing. Marriage is God's doing. It, it, it is His plan. He created it. It is His doing. And this is where we begin to sort of lay out this foundation. In our passage today, this will show us that marriage is God's creation and it's His design. It will show us that marriage is instituted and established by God. And it will show us that ultimately marriage exists, listen to this, not for our enjoyment, but for His glory. That's why marriage exists. And so if we're going to be a part of a marriage relationship, and we're going to be, call ourselves followers of Christ Jesus, then it would seem to me that our greatest desire is that we could bring glory in our relationships with our spouse. That we could praise His holy name. That we could fulfill His plans for us through our marriage, the way He created it and the way He designed it. And that's why we want to lay out this foundation for marriage this morning. Verse 18, Genesis chapter 2. You know this to be the place in Scripture where we see creation taking place, where God is creating the heavens and the earth, and He has created man, and He has created the beast and the birds of the air. He's created everything. And the passage continues with God coming to a place where He recognizes that there is not a true companion for man. And this is what we see in this passage, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make, a helper, make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and while he slept, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is at last, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You know, as we dive into this text, we begin to see some very powerful passages of of Scripture teaching us some very powerful truths. But what we begin to see is that, that biblical marriage is being laid out for us, it's being unveiled for us to to really understand to grab hold of to 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 understand and embrace the way God intended for us to embrace marriage one of the things that we see here right off the bat as we as we begin to see what it is that this text is revealing to us is this truth that marriage is God's design and creation marriage is God's idea Marriage is his plan. No one else's, just his. He thought of it, and he made it happen. We look at the passage starting at verse 18, and then moving into verse 22, we see these words. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I love that because it shows such great concern that God has for man. Not to be alone. and In other words, for God not to to live out his life alone, but that he would have companionship. And as he examines this, as he processes this, as he considers this, he, he decides that what he would do is make a woman to be there with man, and he would bring them together. And so we begin to see that this, is, this idea of marriage is his idea, that man existed without God, I mean, excuse me, man existed without woman, and God wanted man to share his life with woman, and so he made her, he created her, and it says here in the scriptures that he brought her to him. So as we study this passage, we begin to see that marriage is God's design, it's his plan, it's his creation. He's the one that founded it, he's the one that created it. And as we look at this, we begin to realize that that marriage was created for a lot of different way, a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons that marriage was created is we do an expansive study on the idea of marriage, and obviously we don't have time to cover it all today. That's why we got four weeks to go in this thing. But the reality is, is that marriage was created for companionship, for, for what some would describe loyal partnership between one man and one woman. This is the way God designed it. This is the way God planned it. And so it was created for that reason. It was also created to be the firmest foundation for a family. One of the things that man and woman would be charged with is to go therefore and multiply, to bear children, to to bring others into the world that would worship God. And so it becomes, marriage becomes the firmest of foundations to, to create a family, to ultimately raise up disciples. And we'll be talking about that in the weeks to come. We also know as we study the scriptures and try to understand what marriage is, is that it is a catalyst for intimacy through sexual experience. 
And so we, we see that that's one of the purposes of marriage that God uh, gave us as, as, as a reason or a purpose to be married. But let me just say this, that all of those things that we've just mentioned are really secondary because ultimately what we see is we study Scripture and we study what marriage and, is all about and this relationship, this covenant relationship between man and woman. What we come to understand as we read throughout the Scriptures is that marriage was ultimately created to bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. That's why we marry, is to bring glory to God through our relationship. And we're going we're gonna to be looking at that here some today. But here's the second thing that we notice. The second thing that we notice is not only was marriage designed and created by God, but, but we also know that God institutes marriage. He instituted it. He, he established it. He, he, he brought it forth, if you will. We read in the, in the text here, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman, and he brought her to man. I, I love this because this is what we see as we read the scripture in verse 22. We see God's sovereignty in a relationship. And this is important. This is, this is foundational. This is something I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about here for just a moment. We see in verse 22 that after God had, had made man from the rib, I mean, excuse me, made woman from the rib of a man, it says here in this passage, and he made into woman, and look at this, he brought her to man. Now, this is hugely important. This is something that we need to understand. This is something that is hugely important for us to understand because contrary to popular belief, the greatest reason to marry someone is not love. It's not love. You know, I love to play this little trick on people that come in for premarital counseling. I'm giving you my little, my little uh, opening thing here, so every couple that's sitting here today that's contemplating that, if they come into my office, I won't be able to get away with this. But, but I love doing this to, to young couples that come into my office. They walk into my office and they say, Pastor Dave, we want to get married and, and we want to do premarital counseling. And so I sit down with them and I love doing this. I say, okay, so why do you want to get married? And it never fails. It never fails. Every person I've ever asked always answers the same question. Because here's what happens. You say, well, so, so tell me something. Why do you want to get married? And they giggle. That's always kind of the funny thing. That's what people in love do. They giggle, right? You get married, you quit giggling. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did not just say that. My wife is at a at a women's conference, and I did not just say that. Do not tell her I said that. But, but, but couples in love, they, they, they sit there, and they, they kind of look at each other, and they giggle, and they bat their eyes, and they just kind of, you know, they blush. Some of them will blush. And then they'll look at you, and they'll say, well, we're in love, you know? And then I love it, because I've just set them up, you know? And I say, well, can I tell you that love is not a good reason to get married? And it's like deer in headlights. And the next question is always this. Were you going to still marry us? I love that. And here's why I say that love is not the greatest reason to get married. Nowhere in Scripture do you see people getting married because they're in love. But everywhere in Scripture do you see that married people are called to love each other. Okay? Here's the reason why being in love is not the greatest reason to get married. You ready for this? Because you won't always feel in love with each other. In fact, 
when you're married, there will even be days where you come to a place in such total disagreement and anger that you may even look at one another and say, I hate you. What are you going to do then? Love is not the reason, not the greatest reason. Love is certainly a part of marriage. It is certainly something that needs to be a part of marriage, but it's not the greatest reason to marry. What we see in Scripture, and I think a, a greater reason to be married, what we see here as we look at the story of man being created and woman being created, and we see God giving away the very first bride that ever existed, he, what we see is that God walks Eve down the aisle and brings her to Adam. We see that God brought man and woman together. And a much greater reason to get married is, to, is because we are convinced that God has brought us together and that He wants us to be married. That is a greater reason to get married than just love. Amen. To see God's sovereignty. Because you see, when, when marriage seems like it's rough and, and we get to a place where we just don't feel in love with each other, when we're angry at one another, when we feel as though we've fallen out of love, it's so easy to say when we got married because we loved each other, well, then I guess we'll just call it quits. Whereas if we enter into a relationship where we feel as though God brought us together, that's much harder to overcome. That's a reason to fight for our marriage instead of fighting in our marriage. And so here we see that God institutes marriage. He brings her and him together. I want to be just very transparent with you. In the early years of Linnell and I's marriage, we, we went through some struggles. We were both at that time very worldly in our thinking. We were not we, we, we never really understood what marriage was supposed to be. We, we got into a marriage relationship. And I tell this story with people that are struggling in their marriage because, you know, one of the reasons I feel like God called us to, to ministry is because God had a plan in, in restoring our marriage when it was on the rocks. But there was a time in our life where, where we were at odds with one another and it had gotten so bad that we began to think that we had fallen out of love. And in fact, I had gotten to a place where I just didn't like her anymore. And having a worldly view of marriage, I thought that divorce was the answer, and so we separated for five months. We lived our life, and I, I'll be honest with you, there was, it was the, the darkest moments of my life as I struggled with, with why I was married to her and how in the world could I get out of this. And I mean, I really struggled with it, and she was struggling, she was fighting, she was praying, I was praying. And what we saw at the end of five months is, is God brought us back together. And it wasn't like this, this happy reunion. It would be almost a year before we would finally recognize that God had restored our marriage. And here's the, one of the things that I would say to anyone who may be here today, and, and your, your marriage is really in a difficult place, is, is that God can restore your, your, your marriage because with God, there is nothing that is impossible. Amen? <laughs> marriage is never easy. It is never, it is extremely difficult. But one of the greatest things that we can understand about marriage is that God 
brings us together and God wants us to continue in this relationship that God would rather us, instead of fighting in our relationship, he'd rather us fight for our relationship. And what we saw was God brought us together. He restored our marriage. And this is what I love to to tell people who are struggling in their marriage. I, I love to say this because this is what I saw. You see, when I came back home and we started working on our marriage, here's my prayer. My prayer was, God, just get us back to where we were. And you know how ignorant that statement was, how ignorant that prayer was? I'll tell you, I thought we had been in a good place before. And what we didn't know was really what marriage was all about. And what God showed us, he, He took us not just back to where we once were, He took us further than we ever expected to go. I saw love. I began to love my wife all over again. And we... We saw God just do incredible things in our marriage. And there was so much fulfillment in just being married and being committed to that relationship and fighting for that relationship. And so when you tell her what I said a while ago, I'm going to just deny it. (laughs) And say, hon, you know me. Marriage is not easy. But I'll tell you, there's something of value in knowing that it is God who instituted our marriage. Who It is God's doing. It is His, it is his plan and His purpose. And this is, the, this is the third thing I want to bring up is concerning marriage. We've looked at the first two here. The third one is this, and, and this is really what it's all about here. Marriage exists for God's glory. Marriage exists for God's glory. You know, what's amazing about, you know, those that have been married or those that are looking forward to marriage. Here's what's so amazing. We will spend hours and hours and days and days and months and months reading and preparing and getting excited all for that first day of marriage. You know what I'm talking about, wedding day. I remember walking into my my girls' room one day and, and they were in middle school and they had brides catalogs all over the bed. And I'm like, taking them up, what are you doing? You'll never get married. I'll never let you date. No, I mean, they were thinking about marriage in middle school. I mean, they had the little bride books out there. I don't even know where they got them, but I mean, it was kind of like, you know, they were like planning, like, when I get married, I don't, you know, we've put so much effort into the first day of marriage, never considering the rest of the days of marriage or even the last day. Why do we put so much effort in the first day when that day is going to be pretty much a wonderful day and so many others are going to be the hard days you see marriage was created god designed marriage that we would enter into a relationship with him and ultimately bring glory to him you see we're not the main actors in our marriage we're not the the pastor's not the the groomsman and the and the bridesmaid we're not the main actors here we're not the main characters in our story god is And God exists, God God created marriage that we would enter into a covenant relationship with Him, that we would become one flesh, and that we would do this in junction with Him, that ultimately through our marriage we would bring glory to Him. That the world would know Him through our marriage. I want to show you something here. Look at this in verse 24. It says, therefore, 
A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become, look at this, one flesh. One flesh. Coming together as one. Two people, but not just two people, two people in God coming together, all coming together in a, in a union, in fellowship, in communion. One flesh for the very purpose of bringing glory to God. There is such a huge contrast between what our world views marriage to be and what God's plans for it are. There is such a huge contrast between being married legally and God's plan for marriage. You see, the government looks at marriage, our government, our world, the worldview looks at, at, at marriage as really a contract between a man and a woman. Or in some cases, man and man, woman and woman. But they view it as a contract. The world views it as a simple contract. Whereas God's Word describes marriage as something much deeper than that. God's Word describes marriage as a covenant. And you see, there's a lot of differences between covenants and contracts. There's a huge difference as we explore the Scripture. We, we see this covenant being unveiled and we see this, this covenant relationship that is taking place, as the Bible says, between one man and one woman coming together with God. This is what marriage is. He's the one who created it. He's the one who founded it. He's the one who designed it to be this way. And so as we see this, we see it's a covenant relationship. And covenant are based on mutual trust between the parties. Covenants are built upon a trust that we have with each other. Couples that are looking to get married, they come together, they trust each other. They, they're comfortable being together. And, and hopefully, as they, as they come into this relationship, they are also uh, very trusting toward God and God being a part. And obviously, they're hoping that God will be a part of their marriage. And so, Covenants are built upon trust. Contracts are formed and created because we don't trust people. You see the difference? Contracts are drawn up because, I, because we look at people that we're doing business with and we say, listen, a handshake isn't good enough, so why don't we get our lawyers to draw up a contract? They're built upon, their whole identity is surrounded by this lack of trust. Whereas covenants, they come together and they say, I trust you, I trust what God's doing in our life, let's stay together forever. It's a huge difference. Covenants and contracts are totally different. Covenants are meant to always be unbroken. Covenants are meant to last forever. It's, it's, it's an agreement that is, has been reached between parties who trust each other and they, they determine that this covenant will last forever. Whereas contracts, on the other hand, usually have a policy in there. If, if either person wants to, to, to do away with this contract, then so be it. There's usually a, a breaking of contract clause in every contract. All they need is mutual parties to say, let's just end this relationship. And so the world sees it one way. Our government sees it one way. But God planned it another way. Marriage exists for God's glory. 
Ephesians 5, 31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. So the question is this. The question is this. So how does marriage glorify God? How does our marriage glorify God? In what ways do man and woman coming together with God and entering into this covenant relationship, in what ways does this glorify God? How do we apply this to our life? If if we understand biblical marriage to be all that we've seen here in Scripture, if we believe in that, then, then how do we take this that we've learned and apply it to our life? I jotted down just a few things, and I want to give these to you this morning. Here's the first one. A biblical marriage is sanctifying. So let us pursue moral purity in our relationships. A marriage is meant to be sanctifying. It's meant to cleanse us. It's meant to make us holy and righteous. And so uh, it it is, it is, is designed to help us to grow closer to God. Let me show you something in Ephesians 5 verses 25 through 27. It says this. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, one of the things that we see in marriage is that marriage is to put on display the relationship between Christ and the church. And so here Paul says this. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So what the Word of God is teaching us here is that that Christ, in this relationship that he has with the church, that the purpose in that is to sanctify the bride, to sanctify the body. He wants to cleanse her. He wants to sanctify her. He wants to take her to a place of holiness and without blemish. He wants to take his bride and wash her white as snow. This is what Christ does for us. This is the relationship that we have Christ and the church. And so if this is to be an image of what marriage is to us, then the only conclusion that we can draw is that our marriage should be sanctifying. That our marriage should be such that it helps one another to grow closer and closer to God. In other words, through our marriage, moral purity should be the greatest thing that we strive for. And when we click on pornography, we turn away from God's plan. When we enter into a relationship that's not with our wife or our husband, we turn away from God's plan. When we pursue sin instead of holiness, and righteousness in our relationships with each other. We turn away from God's ultimate plan for marriage because through our marriage, we are to be there for one another and to sanctify one another, to help each other to grow closer and closer to God by loving each other, by helping one another, 
by instructing one another, by lifting each other up, by praying for one another. That's why understanding, a foundational understanding of marriage is important to us. I realize today that we are a very diverse crowd. That we all have different backgrounds. We've all had paths that we took at an earlier part of our life that we regret. We all have lived in places that we, you know, that maybe, maybe we're ashamed of. I know I have. I'll just be honest with you. But one of the things that we saw in John 8 for the young lady who had entered into an adulterous affair is that for that day in her life, it was a new day. As Jesus looked to this lady and she says, go and live your life in pursuit of moral purity. Live your life seeking righteousness, not sin. And so as we think about our marriage, as we think about relationships, as we prepare for a day, singles listen up, as we prepare for a day when one day we may enter into a relationship where we find ourselves being married, don't just prepare for that first day of your marriage. Pray for and prepare for every day of your marriage. Pursue moral purity today so that when you enter into that relationship with your husband or your wife, that you will be ready for the rest of your life with that person. For married couples here today that are struggling, going through difficult times in your life, today is a new day. Where we choose today to pursue moral purity in our relationship, to pursue the righteousness of Christ rather than the sins of this world, today is a new day. If biblical marriage, if it preaches the gospel, then let us live out the gospel with our lives. And that's exactly what marriage is supposed to be. You know that in our marriage, we are literally preaching the gospel to the world when people look at us. When people see us in our marriage, when they, when they look at husband David and wife Linnell, they should be able to see the same type of relationship that Christ has with the church. And therefore, we have this amazing opportunity in marriage to preach the gospel to the world through our marriage. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then Paul says in verse 32, This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This is what marriage is supposed to be. Pat Enos, she was a, a woman who, who wrote a, a book called Becoming a Woman Who Pleases God. And I love what she has to say about the marriage relationship. I think it's a great place for us to sort of wrap this thing up here today. But she says this, she says, God intended for the marriage relationship to be the hallmark of the Christian home. The love relationship between husband and wife should provide the clearest picture of Christ's love. The model it provides to children, the church, and the world effectively draws others to the love of Christ. This is the foundation of marriage. This is where it all began. 
It was God's plan to bring man and woman together in perfect unity with himself that they would ultimately live their life out bringing glory to God. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us and, and, uh, and then our band's going to come up and sing. And this morning, we have an incredible opportunity to do several things. Maybe, maybe for some of us here today, we want to come and, and pray for someone. I know we all probably have family members who are struggling in their relationships. This would be an incredible opportunity for us to come and to lift them up in prayer as we consider everything that God desires marriage to be. But I was thinking also as we, as we prepare for Valentine's, husbands, it'd be great to just grab your wife by the hand and come to this altar and, and just pray for our marriages. You know, we really should be doing that every single day, shouldn't we? It really should be the, the heart of, of, of why we live is to, is, to, is to be fully involved in a relationship with our husband and our wife, to pray with them, to spend time in God's word together, to pursue the holiness and the righteousness of Christ. And so this morning lends itself to an opportunity for us as we prepare to, to let this day be a new day, to come and pray for one another, to lift each other up in prayer, to pray for our relationships. Let us not wait till the wheels are about to fall off of the, of the wagon before we seek help. Our pastors are down front. We'll be in the, the uh, connection room following the service. We're here to help you to grow deeper and to grow wider and to grow stronger in your relationships. We are convinced that when we begin to place Christ as center in our relationships, we will see a fuller, more meaningful, more purposeful, purposeful, old country boy. It'll slip out every now and then. Purposeful relationship. When we put him in the center of our relationship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for just the foundational truths that your word lays out for us, God, of what marriage is supposed to be, of God, how you designed it, of how you instituted it, how you created it, and you presented it to the world to see. God, forgive us when our marriages don't look like Christ in the church. God, forgive us when we fall short of sanctifying one another. But Father, thank you for your grace in our life that God, as we turn to your word, that God, you continue to challenge us, you continue to convict us, you continue to encourage us to allow this day to be a new day in our life. And Father, we are thankful for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. God, we are thankful for your patience in our life. Lord, as we ultimately want to, with every aspect of our life, bring glory to you, Father, we pray that you would lead us and guide us into helping us carry out that mission that you have given us. Lord, I pray today for each and every one of us here today, knowing that your word is relevant to all of us, no matter what station of life we find ourselves in. So, Father, I pray that today, 
the desire of our hearts would be to grow deeper and to grow wider and to grow stronger in our relationship with you and the relationships that we share with each other. God, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.